0: Welcome to another edition of the A-Sun Game Day Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jordan Griffith, joined again today by Mike DeVader and William Hall. Guys, we had action-packed last week for the A-Sun Football League, and this was another week where they ended up above 503 3 3-2 on the week. You had Kennesaw State on the bye, so obviously that didn't count toward the record. Wins with Central Arkansas, Austin P EKU. We'll get into a lot of that. But guys, so far, after looking at last week, we'll, we'll get into the results again. What were some of your main takeaways from Asun football this week?
1: Uh, I think one of my biggest takeaways was, uh, I guess, I think it was one of the game within the game that I was focused on last week. It's just EKU, obviously the seven overtimes was not a hangover. It didn't affect them at all. They came out and did what they had to do against Charleston Southern and just, you know, dominated, dominated that game. And. I was impressed. So it's good to see, you know, with that long game, the next week you come out firing and getting things done. So that, that really stood out to me it was the EKU's poise uh, after that long seven overtime game a couple of weeks ago, coming out strong.
2: Well, and I really think that when you look at the games that we had last week, the more things we think change, the more they stay the same because the offenses came to the party once again. They showed their strength and the tough matchups that we thought we had turned into just that. With a couple defeats that the conference suffered against tough opponents including number nine chattanooga so we thought certain ways about certain games and that's really what happened when we
0: look at the results from last week and to both of your points guys you're absolutely right looking at the losses so tulsa beat jack state 54 to 17 that offense was flying on all cylinders number nine chattanooga beat una 41 to 14. UNA had actually made that game rather close in the second and third quarter, but Chattanooga did what they did. A very talented team were able to pull away late in that one. And then the win, Central Arkansas, big win in Idaho and big sky country. Idaho State 31 to 16. Austin P dominated Alabama AM 28 to three. The defense has been spectacular. Something we will certainly highlight throughout this podcast and then EKU beats Charleston Southern 40 to 17. And guys, I, my takeaways as well. Looking at that Central Arkansas game, there were several times in that game where Idaho State, this is a team once again talking about last week, they're trying to build something. They're trying to build a, a almost a brand new program over there at Idaho State, trying to get some more wins on the board and they're hungry. They're they're a good football team in a very good football conference this year in the Big Sky once again. And You look at three turnovers produced by the Central Arkansas defense, that's something that coming into this year, turnovers weren't exactly a strong suit for them. No one came in, I think, looking at Central Arkansas as a team that's going to be able to put those kind of numbers. And guys, I think the most important part of that, two of those turnovers came when Idaho State was driving to get the game back to a one possession ballgame. And two of those three times, that's when they got the turnover. You had the interception in the end zone from Corley Hooper. You had the pick for Sean Smith fell into his lap, but it's a turnover regardless and it counts as an interception all the same. Could have returned that one for a pick six. And then again, Corley Hooper scores the scoop and score touchdown off of a huge sack uh, and just uh, probably about a five yard return. It was honestly when Idaho State was way backed up in central Arkansas territory or Idaho State territory rather. But that's a team that was producing turnovers that wowed me on Saturday. And looking at EKU, I know we've mentioned it a couple of times, but this offense is not going anywhere. Parker McKinney is a dog. This guy can throw the ball from any platform, any arm angle that you're looking for. Incredible arm strength. Chose to stay at EKU this year. Maybe could have had offers to go elsewhere in the offseason. Stayed at EKU. And, man, that looks like a good decision so far. What do you guys think?
1: I mean, yeah. just continues to uh, just hammer that home that EKU, you know, the offense is here. I think that's something that we'll, we'll get into a little bit later is that, you know, who's going to slow them down? I mean, right now, Parker McKinney is is is, is keeping them going and, they're, and the, the firepower had to stop, you know, so I I think that whoever can slow them down, you you have a chance, but right now it's, it's looking like it's going to take a big effort to
2: keep, to keep them, you know, off the scoreboard and from moving the ball. I think a couple of our players that are playing right now have taken a look at our records that we have in the record book and know that it's the right time to attack those records, knowing it's the second year that we're recording those. And they're really trying to make their way in history to try to get those records as high as possible and get them out of reach of the players to come because we're going to have numbers at the end of this year that are just completely out of control. And I'm here for it. I'm excited about the offense. I can't wait to see what we do the rest of the year.
0: And before we move on, I know we've mentioned Parker McKinney a couple of times. Another person to mention: Dakota Allen. That guy is also a dog. <laughs> That's a big tight end slash wide receiver. A guy that can go up and get just about any football that you throw in his area code. He's been spectacular this year, as he was last year. All right, moving on to our players of the week. I talked about Central Arkansas having a big week, and boy, did they! William, who do we have this week?
1: I mean, yeah, I was talking about a big week from UCA. Three of our four. Uh, players of the Week in football this week went to the Bears, uh, starting off with uh, sophomore running back Darius Hale. Got his first career A-Sun uh, Offensive Player of the Week. Uh, season best for 114 yards on 17 carries, three passes for 22 yards. That was, I mean, he accounted for three touchdowns for UCA on the road at Idaho State, so he was a big part of that, that victory. And as you mentioned his name a couple times earlier, Coley Hooper was our Defensive Player of the Week uh, for the first time in his career. I uh, finished the game with seven tackles, INT, fumble recovery, you know, a scoop and score from three yards out to extend that third quarter lead for UCA. So big, big in that win. And going out to our freshman of the week, Sean Smith, first career interception, returning 10 yards in that win against Idaho State, again, on the road, first career ASUN freshman of the week, got her. so big week for UCA overall and with our weekly awards and our special teams player of the week, Jeremy Edwards of EKU. Got his first special teams player of the week award, the 10th for uh, Eastern Kentucky. And he averaged 47.7 yards per punt on three kicks in the game and had a career-best 61-yard punt. uh, Longest punt of the season in the A-Sun so far. So so those were our weekly award winners. Again, big week from UCA 3-4. And, of course, Jeremy Edwards snatching the 10th all-time honor for
0: EKU for a special teams player of the week. Well, looking at the players of the week, some some thoughts I have on that. Darius Hale, I think this – Marked his coming out party for the season had brutal first two games at Missouri state. And then you play Ole Miss in Oxford, Mississippi. It doesn't get much tougher than that. Or excuse me, I believe they're actually at home week one against Missouri state, but regardless, those are two top ranked teams in the FCS and the FBS Darius Hale is going to be a guy that we're going to mention time and time again, this year we did last year. It will happen again this year. And something about Corley Hooper. Listen, you have an interception and when you're playing a position he does on defense. That's what you do. You call your parents after the game. You get an interception. You call your parents. Hey, you guys see that? I, I had to pick. You get a touchdown. You call your girlfriend. You call your friends. You call their friends. You're calling everybody. You get an interception, a fumble recovery, and a touchdown. It doesn't get better than that for a defensive player. Right place, right time, along with incredible preparation and incredible skill. That is a A++ plus sort of performance for Corlett Hooper.
2: Yeah, I think that's what they call the big man on campus after a game like that.
0: There's absolutely no (laughs) doubt, no doubt. All right, guys, looking at our games coming up this week, enough about last week, we got a lot of impressive battles. These teams in the A Sun are facing a lot of tough competition every single week, but especially this
2: week. Mike, we'll go to you first. What game stands out to you? All right, well, the game that I'm going to highlight looking ahead here on Saturday is Jacksonville State headed to Nichols, try to see what Jacksonville State can do after that. Uh subpar performance on the road at Tulsa to drop to three and one they're going up against Nichols who's and three so on paper it looks like a good matchup that they can potentially attack to try to get back on the right side of things Nichols is having their home debut this this Saturday here today as the colonels are in Louisiana looking for a win but Nichols really hasn't looked good in their own three start with their losses to South Alabama Louisiana Monroe and Southeast Missouri these teams are set to play for the 16th time. Jacksonville State leads nine to six. And basically, when I look at some of the stats that Nichols has on offense and defense, I mean, they're ripe for the picking for Jacksonville State. But the biggest thing, this is this is going to sound funny, but Nichols is one of 13 teams with 100% efficiency in the red zone, but they're only five of five with four touchdowns so basically they've had a lot of struggles on offense trying to get anywhere near the red zone but they are perfect when they get there so one of the main things for jacksonville state keep them inside the 20s because they're only averaging 256 yards a game 109th in the country rushing offense is even worse at 118th in the nation at 61.3 yards per outing so what can jacksonville state do to really erase that memory what happened last week and i think this is Perfect, perfect storm for the Gamecocks going to Nichols right now. Set them up for zero and four on the season, and try to really right the ship here on the season here in twenty twenty two for Jacksonville State. Hey, Mike, and
0: uh, tell me if I'm wrong on this, but it feels like a team that gets that is efficient in the red zone, but doesn't get there. Feels like a a the fastest guy on the baseball team that hits one fifty. When you get on the base pass, they're able to steal bases, but they can just never quite get there. That kind of
2: is what it feels like for Nichols. A guy like that is great to have, but he just doesn't scare you. So that's what we're looking at with Nichols because apparently things have had to go perfectly right for them to be able to get in the red zone. And Jacksonville State, if they're able to regroup, can really try to establish their their style of game once again against the Colonels and keep them out of the red zone. Because obviously, once they get in there, they know what they're doing. But in between the 20s, it seems like it's a real big struggle so far for Nichols on the year.
0: Yeah, and all respect to Nichols. They do have an 0-3 start this year, but this is a team that's going to be hungry coming into this one, playing in a tough, I know I say it a lot, and there's a lot of tough conferences in the FCS out there, and the Southland is one of them. A lot of postseason success. The one of the most recent national champions, Sam Houston State, came out of the Southland that year. 0-3, but this historically is a team that will find themselves in the top 25 every single week this year. Seems to be a bit different. But once again, they're going to be hungry coming into a game against Jack State. They have a lot to prove, just like Jack State does coming off that Tulsa loss. All right, William, what do you got this week?
1: I think I'm going to go over to your uh, North Alabama Lions and uh, take a look Let's at you, Lions. Oh yeah, yeah, going up against Charleston. Um, Charleston's coming off of a, a big win, 41 to six, against Eastern New Mexico. So obviously, they're trying to get rolling. Um, and, and UNA in this game, I, I think that they just need to focus on, you know, they need to start faster. This team hasn't scored at all in the first quarter of this season, which is, you know, not the way you want to start games. And the second quarter is where they shine. 42 of their 77 points have come within the second quarter. So I think a faster start from UNA coming out of the blocks a, a, a little bit better. Uh, their defense is 4-7 turnovers this season. A turnover margin of plus 4, 11th in the FCS. So their defense has really been uh, – doing what's necessary for for UNA so far in these, these first couple of games. The uh, Lions are returning home to Florence. They're 10 and 10 under Chris Willis, but it's his homecoming for UNA. They won their last 16 homecoming games. So they're obviously you know coming in confident, knowing that they can they can do what they have to do um, on their home field. But you know, their offensive weapons, I think we talked a little bit about the defense and, and the turnovers, but I mean they've got an offensive weapon of course, Sean Powell third in FCS for rushing yards, tied for fourth in rushing touchdowns, seventh in rushing yards per game, and over 120 yards. So, you know, obviously they want to get him going, and he's a, he's a definite weapon for UNA in this game. And just overall, as we, you know, they, they've got this game. After that, they got a bye week, and they jump into conference play. So just want to get him going. And, and me, myself, I'm interested in seeing what Noah Walters does, uh, continuing under center, leading that offense. I mean, he's been solid so far as a true freshman starting. So I'm curious to see what U N A does this week, and then heading into their bye before they start league play in a couple weeks here. So that's my game to focus on that U N A versus Talladega.
0: And me and William were talking before we jumped on this call here today. I had to someone had to take U N A off my hands. I haven't been the good luck charm for them so far this year, um, one and two. I truly think that there is a good argument to make that they could be two and one. I wouldn't go as far to say three and zero oh because Chattanooga earned that win, and again it was a lopsided score in the end, but. During the middle of that game, right there in the second and third quarter, I mentioned earlier, they were putting up a fight, and there was a legitimate concern for the Mox that they were going to get back into that game. And North Alabama had the chance to do that. They had – you could have at least gone into another overtime against Indiana State, possibly won that game if it weren't for the fumble. This is a good one-and-two team. I know that's kind of crazy to say, but I think this is a team that is going to surprise people throughout the year. I think it's going to start with Tarleton. We'll see how that game plays out. I can't make any bold predictions for North Alabama again. I want to leave them alone. Nope. I can't be putting that pressure yeah, we, on them. But they deserve better. No,
1: no, no. We, we, we've, got to, we've got to bring you on, on the bold predictions for UNA. <laughs> but I will say that I don't think 2-1 and one is a, is too bold of, of a prediction. I mean, you, you know, 17-14, that first game, you know, I could have seen they, they're they're a very good 1-2 and two team, very close to, you know, being two and one so I don't think that's a far stretch and and again you know last week that I mean we they they showed us something you know they were they were competitive in that game at one point so I don't think that that game really just changes the thoughts that, I mean you were you were you were on the bandwagon pretty heavy so don't get off just yet don't don't just, I need you to keep your seat reserved
0: <laughs> I'm not getting off at all I'm just handing it off right now because again I want what's best for them and right now it's not me <laughs> okay i like the honesty so so that's all it is you know when if you love something you gotta let it go and that's 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 what the bandwagon for una has been for me this year so i'm giving it over to to william this week uh una hope that's going to be a great game against tarleton state one we will certainly look forward to all right i'm last up that brings me to central arkansas versus southeast missouri and this is a very interesting matchup because otherwise i'm just gonna call them semo southeast missouri is just it's just too much they're all they're called semo everybody calls them semo in case you have not been up to date with them this is a team that has a lot of momentum coming into this game they actually just beat Nichols. we were talking about them just a bit ago 42 to 16 coming into this one they also have a ranked win over a premier football program in the fcs Number 17, Southern Illinois, week two, they beat them 34 to 31, and guys, Southern Illinois just came off of, man, I'm trying to think of the win they just came off of, an FBS win uh, just last week, so you're able to beat a team who then had a very big upset just a week later, that spells good news for SEMO, and a tough matchup for Central Arkansas, but if they play anything like they did against Idaho State, I don't think that's going to be a problem. Coming into this game, it is split. As down the middle as you could possibly have, guys, 7-7-1 seven, seven, and one record of both of these programs. But this is the first time that they're facing at the Division One level. They used to both be in D2, play in the same conference. Now they're battling it out to take the advantage. And who knows, this might be the last time they ever play at this, at this juncture. So you could end up getting the all-time record and keeping it for a while. You look at the SEMO offense, it is blistering. Paxton DeLorent, their quarterback, already with 863 yards, already with eight touchdowns on the year. And he has a wide receiver that he loves to go to. His name is Johnny King, fourth in the nation in receptions per game with 8.3. That is his safety blanket. He averages around 80 yards per game of offense. The King I'm speaking of, Central Arkansas is gonna have to bracket him. You're gonna have to get that attention from the quarterback, but it's gonna be tough to stop this air attack. Total offense, 392 yards, per game for Simo, 286 of those, the 16th in the nation, go through the air. They don't rush the ball a whole lot, only about 100 yards per game on the ground. Playing in the OVC this year, they're standing at 2 at 2 and 1. Their only loss was to an FBS program starting week 1, and that was Iowa State. If Central Arkansas can get another one of those big time turnovers that they did against Idaho State, i know this is kind of the same prediction i had against jacksonville state last week which certainly <laughs> didn't work out my way but if you flip that around central arkansas has a big opportunity the ball's going to be in the air a lot a guy like corley hooper we might hear his name called yet again for central arkansas you're going to need a big game from darius Hill. that's something that we have known the entire year they're going to have to come into this game semo that is knowing that they have to stop the rush because Will McIlvain is a guy that's going to hand it off to him and have no problem doing it. He can also throw it to him out of the backfield. Three touchdowns for Darius Hale against Idaho State. So I'm very interested to see what the approach offensively is going to be for for Central Arkansas. Are they going to commit to the run and give the ball to Darius Hale almost the entire game? or Are you going to go to the air a little bit more? I'm interested to see. I don't really have a clue. I don't have that inkling, that intuition of where this game will go. I think it'll be high scoring. It'll probably be in the 30s and 40s for both teams. But I think this is a game to watch out, Central Arkansas versus SEMO.
2: Real quick, yeah. Jordan, on your uh, thought about who they beat last week, just doing a little search here. I remember that game that you were talking about, and uh, those Salukis actually went to Evanston and took out Northwestern. So they were yes. able to plant their flag in the Big Ten country there in Illinois. And you're talking about a signature win for a team like the Salukis. Absolutely, 100%, that should be on your radar.
0: Now I know football math doesn't technically work, but if you go down the line, that would be that. That would mean uh, that Central Arkansas beat Northwestern as well, isn't that correct?
2: Well, I, w- I was hoping that you would say that Southern Illinois would beat Nebraska, but that, that's another that's another topic. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but
0: you. really, though, it, if you do the football math, you go down the line: Central Arkansas beats Semo, Semo beats Southern Illinois, Southern Illinois beat Northwestern. You know. That's a win. That's that's a Northwestern big 10 win. Just like that. It's like when those people create all these uh, different formulas of this team beat that team, that team beat that team, so that they can beat Alabama or play Alabama. That's that's pretty much what that is there. I like where your head's at. Great, great job. All right, Mike time for the
2: standout stat. Can't wait to hear what you got. So this week for the standout stat, we're going to look at something completely opposite compared to last week. So last week, We looked at overall first downs for our teams, and today we're going to take a look at what hurts people from getting those first downs as a team. And I'm pretty sure all of you know what this answer is, and that's penalties. You got to say it with a negative connotation, penalties. So, so far in 2022, ASUN teams have averaged 6.97 penalties per game. So that's the stat for today, 6.97 Penalties per game on average for our ASN teams that would put them 71st in the country if they were their own team for 61.88 yards per game on average, which is 76th in the nation. So breaking that down a little bit more, our teams range from two and a half penalties per game to 9.3. So Kennesaw State actually leads the nation as the least penalized team in the country at 2.5 penalties per contest coming out to 17 yards a game, which is nothing at all. So that's great for Kennesaw state, but firepower and Austin P also with penalties 9.3 per contest. That's 114th in the country. So on average 6.97, but I'm sure some of our teams within this range, especially Austin P are going to work every day to try to prevent those penalties from climbing throughout the season, because if there's anything that could hurt you down the line, when you're trying to get to a title, it's going to be penalties. A good
0: stat there, Mike. And I, I agree with a lot of what you said, Austin P certainly going to have to clean some things up, but I also think that another aspect to it is in mentally, at least Austin P can make those yards up a lot better than a team like Kennesaw state running the triple option. All of a sudden if Kennesaw state gets a holding call, they go back 10 yards. Next thing you know, you're at second and 14. And that's that's not where you want to be. So Austin P having the opportunity with a great offense so far this year to to make up yards like that. And Austin P certainly gonna have to clean some of those penalties. We'd like to see the number for the A Sun lowered throughout the weeks. But Austin P, a team we are certainly gonna highlight. They are part of our game of the week here on the other side. Austin P versus Eastern Kentucky. Welcome back to the A Sun Game Day podcast. I'm Jordan Griffith, joined by William Hall and Mike DeVader. Just introduced our game of the week here in the A Sun. Cannot wait for this one, guys. Austin P plays host to Easter Kentucky. Lot on the line for both teams in this one. Both teams now in the rankings. Austin P can be as high as 23rd, EKU as high as 16. What do you guys look forward to the most in this matchup?
1: Well, I'm looking forward to the first ever um matchup between two A Center teams who are ranked. Um, I think that's exciting to have here in the inaugural season. Uh two teams ranked going at it and two offenses is another thing I'm excited about. I mean, I, I want to know who's gonna be, you know, able to slow down the other one. I think they're gonna be a lot of yards, a lot of points, and, and obviously a lot of lot of lot of scoring, and a lot of excitement for this game um coming in, Austin Peace homecoming. So
2: um, that's what I'm looking forward to, just the energy. Well, I don't think there's any other explanation than the fact that we're excited about the offenses and the ranked teams. Just you laid it right out there perfectly, William, because both of these teams are going to try to score as many points as possible. Both of these mentalities of the head coaches they have in this matchup are run and gun. Let's score as many points as possible. Let's go for it. Let's be as crazy as possible on the offensive end. and I, I, I love that type of mentality maybe not L.A. Chargers mentality of going for it every fourth down, but uh, I'm just really excited to be able to watch this game, be able to see these two teams. And on the other side of that coin, I want to see which defense is going to make that play to be able to stop that offense in the crucial moment because right now it seems like the offenses are really running the show in our conference, and maybe this is the game where we're thinking all about offense, but the defense is what comes to play on Saturday.
0: I think there's there's so much to get into With this game, what I'm most excited about is all of the outside factors that come into this one. One, it's homecoming for Austin P. Two, it is the first conference game in the inaugural A-Sun season. Austin P. gets to play host. They've looked spectacular. And they get to play host to a team that they know very well and a coach that they know very well as well. Something I did not know coming into this week. Walt Wells is is very used to the A-Sun graduated, earned a bachelor's degree from Belmont back in 1993 after transferring from Austin Peay State University, played on the football team for four years, now playing against his former alma mater, or at least the team he used to play football for. Week one in the conference season, the winner will likely be number one in the A Sun standings after this week. Both teams now ranked. Who knows what will happen in the rankings if whoever gets the loss as well as whoever gets the win. There is a lot to love about this game. I cannot wait for Saturday. I think it's going to come to. I know we like to give the non obvious answers or the non obvious scouting reports on these teams, such as linebacker play, D line, stuff of that nature. I think this is a very simple breakdown. Whoever ends up with more yards, whether it be Parker McKinney or Mike DeLillo, is going to win the game. And it feels like that's really what it's going to come down to. Maybe a turnover at the end of the game might decide it, throwing the ball a lot. I do believe this is going to be a shootout a lot of yards. I think whichever quarterback ends up
2: with the most gets the win. And I think that's a perfect way to put it in an homage to John Madden on how basic his fundamentals of broadcasting can be. The team that scores the most will win. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, So adding on to what
0: I talked about earlier, Awesome P and EKU, Played in the same conference just a few years ago. EKU, they lead the series 46-7. to And you better believe Austin P knows that that's exactly what the record is right now. <laughs> Seeing a video from Coach Scotty Walden for FCS All-In yesterday, he is amped. I mean, would you expect anything else? He is absolutely amped for this game. Both teams are tremendous stories. I think that Walden building what he has at Austin P so far, with the success that he has so far, they have outscored opponents 132 to 3 over the past 3 weeks. Talk about competition all you want. I don't care. That's absolutely mind-boggling. There's no other way around it. And maybe the more impressive stat is that their defense has outscored the opponents offense in the last 3 weeks, 7 to 3. They had a scoop and score Antoine Williams with a scoop and score fumble return just against Alabama and in that 28 to 3 victory. Talk about the offense but the defense for Austin P has been astounding so far this year. Possibly their first true test outside of Western Kentucky. They get it against EKU. There's so much to like about this game. There are so much on the line. Make sure you get to your TVs, get to the radio dials, whatever you do to get these games, you have got to pay attention to this one. Week 1 in the ace inaugural season. EKU versus Austin P. That yeah, takes I've us I got a question to... for you guys.
1: But right. before, we, before we go on, Jordan, I got a question. I know you like to be bold. Mike, I, I don't know how bold you are, but I just, I just want to ask you, 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 both of you, this. We're early in the season. It's never too early for this kind of question. Are we watching the 2022 a Sun football champion in this game this weekend between Eastern mm-hmm. Kentucky and
0: Austin Pete? Wow, is that a tough question.
2: Just throwing it out there. I mean, without so looking, without looking at schedules and matchups coming up, not looking ahead. I mean, it very well could be because if these teams stay on track, they do what they do on offense and defense, particularly on the offensive end. I just think whoever wins this game, as long as they play their game on both sides of the ball, particularly on offense, trying to force their mentality on other teams, I'm not sure anybody else in the league is able to keep up with them. Obviously, some some teams could present different challenges than others, but we very well could be previewing what the champion is going to look like at the end of this game uh, when that final score is finally on the scoreboard.
0: I think to answer the question, I think that there is a good chance that the winner of this game could be the winner of the A-Sun this season. But I would be remiss, you know, I'm going to say this. Kennesaw State's going to have something to say about it as well. Now, they have gone off to a rough 0-2 start, but you did play Cincinnati in FBS program. Of course, no shame in that loss and the the loss to Sanford. But everything that Kennesaw State wants is right in front of them still. But these other two teams, I mean, if you're looking at the start of the season, you cannot find a better – two better programs to play each other right now than Austin Peay and EKU. I think that's a really good point, and we will look at this in the last week of the season – and uh
2: you could very well be right, well, and what's funny about that, Jordan is you bring up Kennesaw State and I, I agree with you that they're gonna they're gonna be there potentially with something uh to give these other teams at the end of the year and when you look, I think Kennesaw State plays Austin p at the end of the year, so we'll definitely find that out
0: well that takes us straight into our game within the game, William, I think you got something re- related to the e k u Austin p game
1: yeah' just staying there i mean it's it's a game that just, you know, it's got the attention first conference game ranked team. So, um, and in that same mindset that we were just talking about with the offenses, I think that um, my game within the game is the Austin P that goes defense against Parker McKinney. Uh, he's, he's leading the A son at passing yards per game, uh, close to 350 yards through the air per game. So uh, can Austin P uh, come up with a way to slow him down on defense? Can the D line put pressure on, on him? Can they, you know, shut down the running game and force them to only have to throw it and make him play into their hands. And and also, you know, like you said, that timely pick. Can they pull that out to swing this game? I mean, I, I think we're all expecting this game to be um, high scoring, kind of a shootout. So um, can they slow him down? I mean, they've got a gunslinger on their side, on their offense for the for the Govs as well. So it's it's just uh, I think that that's a big key, their defense. Can, if They can slow him down. Get him off time and get him off rhythm. Um, that that gives them a better chance, obviously. But I think that's very important to stopping this EKU team.
0: Bold prediction time for me. So I missed horribly <laughs> on we the go. last one. I'm I'm one of three. I have to do one every week, and I again I, I truly believe in these. Uh, I truly believe in this one. I want to see if you guys is, do as well. I think that there's going to be 600 plus yards of total passing offense from both teams in this game. That means that both quarterbacks go for 300 or more yards.
2: I don't think you're going to have a choice. I think they're going to have to keep up with the other one, especially if one of the teams get in a rhythm. I think you're going to abandon the running game. Hopefully, for their sake, they're not doing it so early. But if somebody gets down 14-0, you're going to be right on that number, 300 apiece. I'm going to be bold and go the other way. I I think that, uh, like I said –
1: we're expecting, we're expecting the shootout. We're, we're expecting it. And I think the scoring is going to be there. But I feel like it's going to be um, a little unexpected. So I, I think there will be less passing yards. than we think. I think the scoring will probably be there. But I'm expecting uh, one of these running backs, running games, I'm going to be a big factor in this game, I think.
0: All right, jumping into my game within the game, I'm going to mention Kennesaw State. They are hosting Wofford this weekend's the first home game for the Owls. My game within the game for Kennesaw State is going to be Matt Olson and Presta Daniels versus Matt Mason. In case you don't know any of those names, Matt Mason, also con second team member, defensive tackle for Wofford. They have the strength of this Wofford Terrier team is the defensive line, especially in the middle. Matt Mason anchoring that core. For Kennesaw State, starting center, Matt Olsen getting back on the field, face along with Preston Daniels, the two-back. Something we haven't seen from Kennesaw State a whole lot this year is the success of the running game up the middle from that B-back, from the two-back as well, both usually used interchangeably. Run it up the gut. I think Kennesaw State is going to impose their will in terms of the running game right up the middle against Wofford. That's going to be the battle to watch for me. Can Matt Olson handle a guy like Matt Mason? And if he can't, can Matt Mason handle a guy like Preston Daniels? Because Preston Daniels is a guy that will run you over. Taking over for a cop for Glover from last season. We'll see if that matchup comes to fruition. I think Kennesaw State gets back on track this week, gets a win against Wofford, has 200 to almost 300-plus rushing yards. I think Preston Daniels is going to be a name that, at the end of the day, will have one to two touchdowns. That is my game within the game, Mike. Well,
2: and I'm, I'm going to go back to the game that I talked about a little bit ago with Jacksonville State and Nichols. And, and I'm all about the mentality once again. I want to see coming off of that embarrassing loss that Jacksonville State had, how do they respond to that eye-opening performance, the defeat that they suffered at Tulsa? Are they able to bounce back in a big way? Or are they seeing an opponent Nichols that's 0-3? And are they sleepwalking or starting off flat in that first half to kind of give the Colonels some momentum. I didn't I didn't really know this, and I don't know how many people know this that, that listen to our podcast, but these, these teams have been conference rivals twice. 1972 to 78, Gulf South Conference, and 96 to 2002, these teams also spent time together in the Southland, so they know each other. I know these players that are on the teams don't know each other, but don't give Nichols any type of momentum, any type of thought in, in their heads that they're able to stick around. Because Nichols has won six straight home opening contests that they've had. So this, this would be number seven for them. So despite everything that's in favor of Jacksonville State, they had a rough defensive performance. They scored 28-3 in the second quarter. Forty to three at halftime. So how can they flush that and move on to this next game and really take advantage of the Nichols matchup that they have today?
0: All right, guys. Enough football talk. What is going on around the A-Sun, Our A-Sun preview with William.
1: Yeah, I mean we're here. Uh, women's soccer straight into conference play, heading into their second week of it now. Men's soccer is deep in the conference play, so our soccer teams are really jockeying for position. About a month out from the start of the women's soccer championship, a little bit longer for men's, but teams are really starting to, you know, trying to put their stamp on, on who's going to make that postseason run this year. And volleyball, first weekend of conference play is here for the volleyball team. So we've got through a lot of non conference play. A lot of teams were strong during the non conference season, but now it's time for, you know, on the volleyball side of things, all these matches matter. So it's about to get real exciting. Of course, we've got golf, we've got cross country. Is it officially fall yet? I mean, I feel like we've been in fall mode for a little bit longer than the official start of fall, but I think it's today. We're, we're recording this here on Thursday, September 22nd. Jordan, it's September 22nd. It's fall.
2: We're here. Yeah, no,
0: it, we're here. It's September <laughs> 22nd. I didn't do
1: that. I didn't do this. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> 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 it's September 22nd. Let's get, let's get serious. No, no, truly, the, the first day of fall for conference workers is the first – event we've been in fall for a while just like you said
1: yeah yeah I mean, yeah everybody else is just catching up to us
0: all right guys it's time it's trivia time you know what is up what a crazy week we had last week william went up three to one against mike and man that's a huge lead to take in a game like this i'm still scoreless in case anyone's wondering out there got a (laughs) great got a, a great one not a good one i got a great one for you this week you guys ready
1: let's hear it Absolutely.
0: All right. Now, this one is actually sports related again. I know that's that again, it's not necessarily the theme I want to keep, but uh this is also courtesy from our coworker Eric Hunt, avid listener, watcher, excuse me, of the podcast, someone that uh, tunes in on his on his television, you know, week in and week out. So we got to show some this, love this to Eric there. This came from Eric. This came from Eric. Okay, all
1: right. Is that, does that check? Change for you? uh yes, yes, it does.
0: All right. The trivia question this week. In 1980, the NCAA conducted their first co-ed sporting event. This also marked the first event in which women were able to participate. Was it A, rowing? B, rifle? C, skiing? Which sport in 1980 was the NCAA or what was the first co-ed sport in 1980 that the NCAA conducted? Was it rowing, rifle, or skiing?
1: When you say women could participate, you mean like
0: together? So it was a co-ed sporting event, but it also marked the first sporting event that the NCAA conducted for women as well. All right. I have my answer. I can give you the exact definition because I want to keep out the sport. This became the first official NCAA championship in which women were allowed to compete. I'll rephrase it that way. Straight from the title line website. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Again, I'll give the options. A, rowing. B, rifle. Or C, skiing. A lot of silence. Mike,
1: I'm going to let you go first this week. I'm going to let you go with your first mind.
2: Well, now I don't have a choice to try to sandbag and and tie William, whether I like it or not, just to stay too behind. So let's hope I make the right decision this time and actually – listening to myself and what I'm thinking. So when I look at some of these and I think about all the areas of study that I've had throughout my career in sports information, I'm not going to talk about everything too long, but I'm just going to say that looking at some of the records that I've looked through in in my past, I'm going to say B rifle, and I'm going to end it there. And that's my final answer. Yeah. I mean, that's my answer. It has
1: nothing to do with any of my history working (laughs) I got an off-the-wall reason why I picked it. Uh, Yeah. But
0: B. Both going with rifle. Is my answer. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. No reasons. I'll let you know
1: my reasoning. Huh? What was that?
0: No reasoning at all.
1: I have a reason. I just don't know if it's, like, appropriate to share. I'll share it. I'll share my reason, you know, so you can laugh at it and be like that. Here's my here's my reason. Uh, it's 1980, and you know, there's a different mindset going on in the world. And rowing and skiing, there's no way they're letting men and women compete against each other or something like that. It's too physical. Anybody can shoot a gun, though. The only way to think is it's, it's it's not my mindset. I'm talking about 1980 NCAA. <laughs> So I'm Fair going enough. there It's it's, it's, it's their, it's their one track mind <laughs> They figure they could put men and women And give them guns and let them go for a gold medal So that's right. why I'm going with rifle
0: Mike you you want to reveal Any of your reasons
2: Well I just remember seeing People asking for old Records of rifling From like The 90s and nobody Knows where those are and those are on Pieces of paper somewhere that people have had in books for the last 15 years so other than I remember people asking about rifle history I don't see how you're going to be skiing together or going one person skiing then the other or rowing you're not going to have usually you wouldn't think that they'd be split up because I don't really know how that's fair to other competitors but I just think it's because of the inquiries that I've had about rifling in the last few years and Seeing how William is probably correct that it's it's probably fair that way. You you could have two good eyes on two different people, man or man or woman, and I think that's the right answer as well. So be rightful. <sighs>
0: well, you guys are right. That's unfortunate. And I gotta stop asking Eric for questions because I mean you both got it correct. It wasn't <laughs> even close. I mean, it wasn't even close. Yeah, that was
1: that was honestly, that was that was the easiest one. Not easy. But I think it was easy to like separate. They're like very different. Like you should have went with like archery, rifle, and I don't know. It's just that's just a very different sport. It kind of made it obvious.
0: Well, here's the: all three of them are very weird sports. So I thought if you throw rifling in there, that that would be the one that's too crazy to be true. But 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 the.
1: It's the question. It's the it's the idea that in nineteen eighty, what would they allow men and women to do together? And I don't think they you know, that's 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 what got it to me. It just was so off the wall that it it you know, it stuck out. That could have been the one that you threw in or and it, it just threw us off and it could have been like rifling the skin with the two, but I mean rowing the skiing but you know. That,
0: that was that was my chance to jump. That was my chance to jump on the scoreboard and it, it man.
2: Hey, I'll, I'll take yeah, a time because I had completely struggled since winning the first one, so I'm gonna celebrate like it's 1980 and earn a point right there. So I'm pumped up.
0: <laughs> celebrate with your rifles and broadswords.
2: Hey, be- Bellerman might be our new mascot for that for that situation because they got they got two swords in the emoji on on Twitter. So who knows?
0: <laughs> All right, it's a perfect time to end this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, on a big-time L for me. But make sure to tune in. We have a lot of great games, a lot of great action around the ASUN Football League this weekend. I'm Jordan Griffith, Mike DeVader, William Hall. Appreciate you guys joining the podcast for ASUN Game Day. We'll see you guys next week.
2: Peace.